woman, letter J, J, A, I think. Anybody here, woman, first two letters of your name? What is your name? Okay. I feel like the Lord is telling you that you're entering into a new season, and with fall coming, a lot of people associate that with things that are dying off. But um, the Lord is like, no, this is a beautiful season for you. This is more beautiful than you've known. And it's going to come into a place where you're going to have to sit still and your roots are going to have to get very, very deep. It's going to be winter. It's going to feel after this beautiful season like, what's going on? I thought you said it's beautiful. But it's coming and you're supposed to really, really, really desire true intimacy. Not what you've known before, but something very, very deep. And you're going to have to really press in for it. But there's going to be a great harvest for you and I'm excited for you. The scripture I have is this, let your roots grow down into him and let your lives be built on him. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught and you will overflow with thankfulness. So I just pray, Father, that you would just bless Sandy, that you would give her the desires of her heart, that the season that she's in that's going to be beautiful, God, would just manifest into something that is a testimony to your goodness and that in everything that you do, God, in her life, that she would know that her roots would be so deep and that that living water would just flow through those roots. She would never feel abandoned in the quiet time. It's not going to be destitute, but it's going to be quiet. So, I bless you. Jesus. He's so good. He's so good. As we were singing, I don't even remember what song it was before the last one about your breath in our lungs there was another song where we mentioned breathing or breath or something <laughs> and uh, just bear with me my watch just updated and there's a time that it'll tell you breathe it'll say breathe take a deep breath and for the most people we don't we use we don't even use the lower third of our lungs we never fill them up with air because we breathe so shallow and uh, he said it, the watch just it'll tell you every once in a while to breathe and it did it this morning early this morning and uh, as we were singing that song the Lord reminded me of the very word Jehovah in the Hebrew is yud Hey vad Hey, but the way it's pronounced the, the way the Jews would pronounce it is like this yud Hey vad Hey, and they said every time we breathe in and breathe out we're declaring the name of God yud Hey vad Hey. And, and I thought about that, and I thought about how important it is to be present with Him wherever we are, no matter what season we're in. That was so good. Whether it seems like we're in the desert and we've been chasing mirages, trying to get uh, refreshment from them, no matter where it is, it's that name that's above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee must bow. Every knee must bow. And this is really uh, going to maybe seem different, and that's okay. Last week, we talked about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. But as I was thinking about breath, in Genesis, when God created man, in Genesis uh, chapter 2, when he, breathed, he created him, he said he formed him from dust there, and then what did he do? He breathed in him and said, receive life. When John, uh, John 20, 22, I think, maybe, let me look. Jesus with his disciples after he had resurrected. It says he breathed on them. Yes, John 20, 22, it says, and when he had said this, um, 
All right, I'll just read verse 19. Then the same day of the week, beginning the first day of the week, when the doors were shut where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in the midst of them and said to them, Peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. So the Lord said to them again, Peace to you as the Father has sent me, I also send you. Then verse 22, and when he had said this, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. So this was not, uh, this was for them the point of salvation. I'm going somewhere. So last week we prayed, we, we had opportunity for ministry time here for people to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Well, here's what the Lord, and this is really uncanny, but I really felt the Lord saying, there's people who need to receive my breath who've never been born again. You think, well, we know everybody here. I don't care. Here's what I know. I can miss it. I can miss it a mile, but I know I'll miss it if I'm not obedient to what I feel like he's told me to do. So here's what we're going to do. If With head up, eyes open, looking around, because if you can't do it here, you won't live it there. But if you're here and you say, I've never accepted Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I didn't say you've never been to church. It's not about church attendance. It's not about growing up in church. It's not about your mom and dad, your dad being a pastor, your grandpa being a pastor. It's not about any of that. It's about a personal relationship with this God that we were singing about. Many times we, we can be in a room and it feel awkward to us because we don't know what's going on because we don't have that relationship. So I can't go any further until I do this. And if no one comes down, I'm okay with it. I'm perfectly at peace with, but I know that just as much as I knew what we were supposed to do last week, he said, it's my breath. It's my breath that gives life. There's people, there are people, I believe, in this room who you've done church before, but you've never known the man, Christ Jesus. And that's why you looked around the room and some of the stuff that you saw seemed awkward to you is because the people, as Katie gave the word, was so, are so passionately pursuing the Lord, it looks awkward to you. But when you know that man who became sin for you so that you could become the righteousness of God in Christ, when you know that man, everything changes. Everything changes. So here's my invitation. If you've never entered into that personal relationship, I'm not trying to make anybody doubt your salvation, but I'm saying this, if he's not real and intimate in your relationship with him, you've been to church, you've known about God, but do you know him? Do you know him personally to where you know, he said that that we can have this hope that we are forgiven. This is the hope of eternal life that we can know. He said, these things have I written unto you that you might know, not hope, that you might know that you have eternal life. So I invite you, if that's you, if you say, I'm not sure I've ever been born again. And he told Nicodemus in John chapter 3, don't marvel that I tell you, you must be born again. You must be born from above, not just born from the womb, but born from above, where you admit that Jesus, you're the Savior of the world. You died for my sin, and I receive you. I confess you as my Savior and Lord, and I ask you to come into my heart to redeem me, to buy me back from sin, from, from separation from you. If that's you and you say, I've never accepted Jesus as my Lord and Savior, but I want to today. That's pretty bold in front of these people, but he'll meet you right here. He'll meet you here. If that's you, I want you to raise your hand. Just be bold and say, yep, that's me. I'm not sure. I want you to pray for me. Jesus, you're so good. 
You are Savior. You are Lord. I thank you, God. Even as you met those on the road to Emmaus, God, you'll meet us right where we are. Wherever our journey is leading us, God, whatever's going on in our lives, you'll meet us right where we are. But there is that time. You said that we must confess you before men. So I ask you, Holy Spirit, for the hearts that you're working on right now, you would continue to draw them. Because you said, no one comes to me except the Father draw them. So Father, I ask you to continue to draw, to woo hearts that, that today, today is the day of salvation. Not tomorrow, not someday, not one day when I get through what I'm going through. But right now, today is the day of deliverance, of healing, of salvation. So God, we thank you. You're so good. You're so worthy. You're so worthy, Lord. We bless you and we honor you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I love how the Lord will speak to you through his word. And, and uh, as I, we were in worship, he just spoke. As, uh, I don't even remember what part, what song or anything like that. It's amazing. I can get so lost in worship, I can be just all in the moment, and then when we finish singing the song, I could tell you what we just sang if I had to. Uh, but as we were singing, as we were in worship, the Lord uh, put Psalms 33 on my heart. He said, Rejoice in the Lord, O you righteous, for praise from the upright is beautiful. And we don't need to go any further than that. <laughs> he said, Rejoice in the Lord, O you righteous. For praise from the upright is beautiful. For, for praise from the upright is beautiful. Praise the Lord with the heart. Make melody to him with an instrument of ten strings. Sing to him a new song. Play skillfully with a shout of joy. I think, God, we can all plug in there somewhere. I don't play an instrument of ten strings. I, I can shout joyfully to the Lord. <laughs> I can do it. I sing solo. Most times so low, nobody hear me because I'm not always where I need to be. So low. Oh, I just can't get past it. Rejoice in the Lord, O oh, you righteous, for praise from the upright is beautiful. That's so good. Praise from the upright is beautiful. When, when we offer up to him a sacrifice of praise, he said it's beautiful. I think that's why Psalm says he inhabits the praise of Israel. Or the, we've been grafted in Israel, so we could say he inhabits our praise. That's why I, there are times when we're in worship that you can sense the tangible presence of the Lord. It's not because God was absent and he showed up. It's not it. It's because we became aware of him being here. And it can change the atmosphere in the room. Not just temperature-wise, which it can but it can change the atmosphere in the room when you go, something is different, something has changed. And he's so worthy. He's so worthy. So I need you to pray for me right now because <laughs> I've been meditating on this word for a couple of weeks and I don't want to sound like a fire hydrant that just exploded. <laughs> and that's easy for me to do when I'm excited. So I'm trying to calm myself down, because I want to uh, share something today that I think is paramount, not just in the day that we live in, but in the life of the church right here, right now. 
I've been talking for some time about stewarding. I don't know how many weeks uh, about stewardship. We talked about stewarding our lives, stewarding family. And uh, one of the things the Lord's just really stirred on the inside of me in this whole process of meditating on the concept of stewardship. And just a, a brief definition, steward is to manage the, the affairs or finances or business of another, to steward it. And uh, we're called stewards, but we're also called sons. So we're stewarding our father's stuff. And that's every area. It's not just finances. Many times, you know, when churches do stewardship campaigns, it's always about money. The, the campaign's about money and about how we steward our money. And I think that's important. And we're going to get there. But what is equally or more important is what the Lord has put in my heart today. And that's about stewarding the seed of the Word of God. And I thought it was so uh, awesome, the word that you gave, I think, out of Colossians, where it talks about let your roots grow deep. Because as I've been meditating on this idea of the seed, the Lord said this, in everything I created, I put a seed. And inside of that seed is the power to reproduce after its kind. You don't produce a child without a seed. You don't receive a harvest of, in the natural, whatever you're planting, you receive it from a See, Genesis chapter 1, verse 11 says this, Then God said, Let the earth bring forth grass, the herb that yields seed, and the fruit tree that yields fruit according to its kind, whose seed is in itself on the earth. And it was so. And the earth brought forth grass, the herb that yields seed according to its kind, and the tree which yields fruit, whose seed is in itself according to its kind. And God saw that it was good, so the evening and the morning were the third day. So God said, I placed inside of every seed the ability to reproduce after its kind. Think about that. Selah, that. Meditate on that for just a moment. He said, I've placed inside of everything the seed, inside of every seed, the ability to reproduce after its kind. I've shared this before, but that's why when... Jesus spoke to Peter when Peter was in the boat and Jesus was walking on water. When Jesus said, come, what he did is he, in, in those words, come, was the power. There was the seed inside that word to, to empower Peter to do something that was physically impossible, to walk on water. Peter didn't walk on water. He walked on the word come. Because in that word, when Jesus declared, come, it gave him all the ability that was needed to walk on water. Now, he sank when he took his eyes off of the one who gave him the authority to walk on it. Does that make sense? Okay, I don't want to go on a stroll today. I want to, I, want to, I want to go by myself anywhere. I want us to walk together. So, we can say this pretty simply, is that everything in this life involves a seed. Everything in this life involves a seed. And as I was meditating on that, the Lord began to say, but the, the most important seed is the seed of the Word of God. Because in it is the power to reproduce after its kind. Right? That's in, in Mark, when Jesus was teaching on the parable of the sower, he said the sower goes out and sows uh, the seed. And he said the seed is what? It's the Word of God. He said he's going to sow the seed and he gave the four soils. That, and I'm not going to go there today. That's good. That's a great teaching. Talking about the soil, which is our heart and how we... But I want to talk about the seed. He said he sows the seed and the seed is the word of God. So 
we can, if we believe that to be true, what we have to base, what our foundational belief system has to be this, that this word right here, this word has the seed for every need in my life. This word has the seed for every need in my life. So if there's an area of lack in my life, I need to go to the word and find out what seed I need because he's a God of harvest. Right? But if I don't hold this to be true in every area of my life, just those that are convenient, then I won't see harvest on that seed because I'll dig it up or never plant it. Listen to this. Galatians 6, 7 says, Don't be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that will he also reap. Now, you continue to read, and he said, if he sows to the wind, you know, he talks about sowing to the flesh and things like that. But we can miss this concept of what he's saying right here. And he said, don't be deceived. God is not mocked. For what a man sows, that will he also reap. So if we take that from the negative to the positive, because we can, it's a principle that's true, correct? Not just if you go out and live in sin, there'll be sin that you, and let me just clear this up just for a minute. It's in my crawl. I got to get it out. When we walk in sin, it's not God who punishes us for sin. It's us who open the door for the destroyer to come in. So in this passage, it's not saying if you sin, God's going to get you. That's not what it says. It says in the natural, if you sow to the natural in sin, it has repercussions to it. It has a harvest that can come. Now, thank God he can, he can kill a harvest. <laughs> Hallelujah to the Lamb. He can. He's able And so we can take it to him. So it's not that, well, if you lived in sin before you got saved, all that's going to come back to you. No, he redeemed you from the curse. He pulled up all that seed, plucked it all up. It has no authority in your life anymore because you're a new creation. That person died. Help me, somebody. That person died. But what we can see from this, you know, another one that's just profound to my heart is just like this one. Don't be mocked. Whatever a man sows, that will he reap. That should be a promise to us. That should be encouraging to us that if I find the seed that I need for the need in my life, then I can, I can expect a harvest because God's not mocked. Another one is powerful to me. It says a house divided can't stand. And that's significant. That doesn't just mean my wife and I. It means anywhere. You can go into a business, and you, if you see a division in the upper ranks of business, it won't be long that business will fall. It's a principle. It's a biblical principle. I don't care if they're Christians or not. It'll happen. A house divided can't stand. It'll crumble on itself. You know what's just as equally powerful? A house united can't fall. If a house divided can't stand, the other side of that is just as powerful and just as true. A house united can't fall. That's a good word right there. It's a good word. That's why as a a husband... As a, a pastor, my number one desire is, is not everybody just get along. No, that's conformity. My desire is unity, where we can all grow in our identity. We can all grow in our uh, gifting and our calling, but we can grow together, not apart. That's so good. Because many times in homes, what we want is conformity. We want our kids to look just like us and act like us and talk like us instead of celebrating who God created them to be and asking God for wisdom to help us develop them to be who he created them to be. Again, if we believe the word to be true, 
then he gives us seed on what that should look like in our relationship. And it, he gives us seed in what that should look like in, our, in how we raise our kids. <laughs> Amen. So he said, don't be deceived. God's not mocked. Whatever man sows, that will he also reap. So as I was thinking about that, and I, and I was thinking and, and meditating on it, God, you said your word is seed. And that in, inside of the seed is the ability to produce after its kind. So I just said, what is this word? In the, in the New Testament, there are two prominent words that are used for our English word, word. Don't get lost. W-O-R-D. It's logos and it's rhema. And we've talked about that some here in the past. But logos, I'm going to give you a brief definition of, of the two. And then I'll go into more detail about them in, in, as I get into the message. Logos is the spoken or revealed word. Rhema is the speaking or commanding word. Are you with me? Logos is the spoken or revealed word. Now, I want to say this because some have said, and it not, it's not true, that one is better than the other. No, it's not. It's not that the logos is the old and the rhema is new. It's not that it is. It's the logos is the revealed, and the rhema is the speaking or the, the commanding that goes along with the logos. Does that make sense? It will. It'll get, it's clear as mud, but it'll, as we get into it, we'll see. <clears throat> Ephesians 6 says this, And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. So Ephesians 6, uh, I mean, 6, 17, and that's part of 18 it says, for, and take the helmet. This is, we know what this is, right? This is where God's given us the armor. And he said, take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Well, this word for Word of God is the rhema of God. It's the speaking or commanding Word of God. So what is he saying? All right, in, in a nutshell, and I'm going to go back and talk about the Logos, but here's what he's saying in this verse. I've given you the Logos, the revealed will of God. I've given it to you. This is it right here. This is the Logos. Every bit of this is the Logos of God. It's the revealed will of God for us. It's his promises and provision for every area of our life. And he said, but the sword of the Spirit is the rhema. It's the speaking or the commanding. So what's that say? So he said this. When, you know how you go on the offensive? This is, that's the only one in the armor. The rest are to protect. This is the one that's for, for uh, fighting. And you know what it is? It's your word. It's his word in your mouth. As your word. And that's what we defeat the enemy, sickness, disease. It's not just knowing it's good and saying, well, that's a good word right there. It's declaring it. It's taking your sword out and, and uh, using it, yielding it and using it. And we do that as we know the logos, the revealed will of God. We declare the rhema. So we speak to that mountain. Isn't that what he said in Mark eleven twenty three? 23? 24? Yes. He said, you'll save this mountain, be removed, be cast in the sea. And that's what he's talking about. There's a difference. But in Ephesians, we want to talk about the armor of God, and we want to talk about victory in our lives. And it won't happen apart from using this instrument God gave us called a mouth. Because as God reveals his word to us, it's our privilege to declare that word. Let me give you another one. This just stirs inside of me. 
2 Peter 1. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 2 through 4. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Let me stay a lot there just a minute. Slow down. Simmer down. John chapter 1. In the beginning was the, and the word was with God. And the word, he was in the beginning with God. In the beginning was the Logos, the Logos, the written, revealed Word of God. Hebrews chapter 1 says that he is the express, the exact representation of who God is. He's not a type or a shadow. He's God. Are you with me? In the beginning was the Logos, the written, revealed expression of God. One definition is literally this. Logos is the Revelation of God in the world. So, in the beginning was the, and the word was with God, and the word was God. Who is he talking about? Jesus. This is revealing Jesus and uh, his deity. It's revealing who Jesus really is. In the beginning was the word. Verse 14 says this, And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Verse 15, John bore witness of him and cried out, saying, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me is preferred before me, for he was before me. And of his fullness we have all received, and grace for grace. You should say hallelujah to the Lamb for that. For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. That's just precious right there. Moses came giving the law because he, could, he gave what was given to him. But Jesus brought with him grace and truth. That's good. I, I don't have time to go there right now. That's just good. In the beginning was the Word. The Word is Jesus, right? He's the Word. Jesus is the Word made flesh and dwelt among us. That's who he is. So here in uh, 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 2, grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. So what is he saying? He said, as you know him, his seed, the seed of his word, what's given to you? He said, peace, grace and peace are multiplied to you. Is it because we do something to get them? No. It's because as we meditate on who he is and we understand who he is, then grace and peace is released from the seed that we receive. Remember last week I said I was mowing the yard and the Lord spoke to me and said, to the, amount, to the extent that you rest in the seed of his word will be the extent of the harvest you receive from that seed. But what is that saying? To ability, I'm, I'm willing to go, God, I believe your word is true. You're not a man that you should lie. I'm going to rest in what you've promised in your word. And I'm going to see the heart. And then I take my mouth and declare what he says. God, here's what you said in your word. I agree with your word. I declare. It's not just thinking about it. What did Ephesians say? This is the sword of the spirit, which is what? The word of God in our mouth. Amen. I don't need you to pull with me right now because I'm stirred up. I'm going to come after you though. Verse 3, as his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue. So right here, he says this, his divine power is going to give or maybe will or what has given to us 
all things that pertain to life and godliness. How do we get it? Through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue. His divine power. So how is his divine power already been placed in us? He's already given it to us, right? That's past tense, correct? How is it given? Through the seed of his spirit who's been planted in us. That's why he said, don't marvel that I tell you, you must be born again. Because when you get born again, we're born from, not from corruptible seed, but from incorruptible, which is the word of God, the logos of God. That's how we're born again. When we read his word, and he says that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, but whoever shall confess him as Lord shall be born again. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved, Romans 10, 13. Whosoever, that's a promise from the word of God. That whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And when we do what his word says and we call upon the name of the Lord, we have the promise of his seed, of his word, that it's going to bring that harvest in our life. I don't have to do anything to make it happen. Amen. So he's placed in us through the power of his spirit that the power, the divine power of God has been given to us to perform, uh, that pertains to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue, verse 4, by which, what? His pro, his, let me just read it. By which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises, that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. So he said this, as we receive the seed of God, the engrafted seed of God, I love my mama. Jesus, you're beautiful. As, by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises that through these, what? These great and precious promises, where are they contained? Where's his great and precious promises? The Bible, his word to us, his love letter to us. He said that through these, you may be partakers of the divine nature. You know, there's a powerful word right here, may. May. In it is all the potential to be everything he wants us to be, but it's dependent upon us. It doesn't say can. Can means do you have the ability to. May means do you take permission to. So what is he saying? He said, as we meditate on the word, as we know the promises, the power of those promises are released in our life. And we'll partake of the divine nature of God. Our DNA can shift. We have the divine nature of Abba. So it doesn't matter what's been in your genealogy. It doesn't matter what you've dealt with in your life, all the generational whatevers. When we come to him and we take the seed of his word and he says that he's redeemed us from the curse, we can go and we can declare, no curse can stand upon me. I've been redeemed. No curse. I don't care what my grandma, my great-grandma, my great-great-great-grandma, my great-great-great-granddad had. It doesn't matter. It stops here because Jesus redeemed me. He became a curse that I might become the righteousness of God in Christ. I declare with my mouth right now that I believe the promise of the word of God. I receive that seed, and it gives me power to break off every curse and every lie of the enemy. 
See, if we don't believe this as the seed, as the root, as the foundation, whatever adjective you want to give, if we don't believe it, it'll affect every area of our lives. It affects us culturally, socially, what we accept, what we say is not acceptable, because in our culture, everything is shifting. I'll never forget 20 years ago when I was in Bible college, I remember I, I had a professor that gave this analogy. He said, here's what's happening in church culture right now. He said, here's where the world was and it stepped over here and got worse. He said, here's where the church was, and when the world shifted, the church took its place where the world used to be, in culture, in in standings. And I'm not talking about doing something to be holy. Ephesians says, you are born again in true righteousness and holiness. Let it forever be settled from me right here at this point. Your actions don't make you holy. Your actions do not make you holy. Jesus' blood is the only thing that can make you holy. Now, we can live out of that seed that's been planted in us, or we can choose not to. We can have the seed of the living God living in us and still live like the devil. Thank you, Ben. Oh, no, you can't. Yes, you can. That's why good old-fashioned loving God save people can talk about their neighbor. can hold bitterness in their heart to someone who hurt them. That's a sin. He said, if you hate somebody, you might as well kill them, Jesus said. Uh, uh, we don't want to talk about the, just the world, of the, the sin of the world. Let's talk about the sin in the church. If we want to think our works make us righteous, no. He said, it's not that at all. All your works are like filthy rag. They're a stench. And what's happened is the, the, world, the, the world was here, and it shifted over, and it got more loose in its morals, in its standards, and what was socially and culturally acceptable. And the church just stepped into where it used to be. And I see it even shifting again because we see that it's okay to live any way we want to live because Jesus loves us. Does Jesus love us? Absolutely. Does he love the sinner and the saint? Absolutely. And they're two different people. Sinner is somebody who doesn't know Jesus. A, a saint is someone who knows Jesus, not based on their actions, but based on their identity. Amen. Sinner, non-believer. Saint, believer. It's that simple. It's not, well, there's saints and then there's sinning saints. Yeah, there's saints who sin, but they're still saints. Based on the word of God. You're not just an old sinner that's saved by grace trying to make it to heaven. No, then get born again because you're just doing religion. When you get born again, you become a new creation. Old things are passed away. All things have become new. But there are saints who sin. That's a reality. And it's not just those who are in pornography or in adultery or uh, uh, pornography, all those fees. It's not just that. It's those who choose not to walk in love when God says, love everyone. Don't owe anyone anything but to love them. And when you make a choice as an act of your will not to walk in love, you're in rebellion to God. That's sin. But you're still saved. You're still born again. But our mindset has shifted. And so we look at culture, and and culture says now these things are acceptable. It's okay to live together. It's it's culturally acceptable. You know, you can be a common law marriage. You can be, uh, you can cohabitate. You can get uh, insurance for your significant other. Even if they're the same sex as you, that's messed up. That's messed up. God said, I created seed. Two people of the same sex can't give one another seed to reproduce. 
But if we slip over, slip over, slip, that's probably better. <laughs> slip over with our belief system and sleep with the world. Go on and say it, preacher. <laughs> and sleep with the world, then what's acceptable there becomes acceptable to us. And God showed that to me in my own life with, and I'm not anti-TV, okay, hear me out. I am very guarded about what I put in here. Because once it comes in here, I've got to deal with it here. If it comes in here, I've got to deal with it here. That's why I'm very selective in what I hear. You look at my phone, my playlist, I, I, I might have one playlist from the 80s that my sister made me when I turned 40, <laughs> seven years ago. But the majority of what I listen to, this isn't condemnation, I, this location. I want you to know where I'm at and what I'm doing to pursue him because I believe it matters. Is it my playlist? It's Christian music. It's, it's not K-Love music. I'm not an anti-K-Love. I'm not going to bash it. It has its place. But mine is worship like we had today that takes me somewhere. It takes me somewhere. It reminds me of who he is and who I am in him. Because that's where I want my thoughts to go. So in the area of TV, I'm careful what comes in. And I can remember when gay pride began to really grow. And it was, there was a righteous indignation that rose up on the inside of me. Because I don't hate gays. I love gays. I love, I, one of my best friends was in a homosexual relationship for 30-some years and got born again out of that. And I loved him when he was still in that relationship with the love of Jesus and saw him walk out of that and give his heart to Jesus Christ. So I don't hate them, but I hate what it does. It kills, it destroys. That's what that lifestyle does. And I, there was this righteous indignation that rose up in the inside of me and the Lord pretty much said in a loving voice, you're a hypocrite. And I said, that's not the Lord. Get behind me, Satan. He said, because you'll watch people shacking up. You'll watch people having sex outside of marriage. You'll watch shows where sex is just something we do as an activity. Not explicit. I didn't watch. I, I, wouldn't wa I was so righteous, self-righteous, I wouldn't watch anything that was PG-13. It had to be PG or G <laughs> or a documentary. I was so righteous, self-righteous. But inside of that, it's amazing. Again, the world stepped over, the, the, the church stepped in with it. It's amazing what PG is now from what PG was when I was a kid. You know why? That whole department of Hollywood that used to regulate TVs, you know who used to run it? The church. And then separation of church and state got twisted do you understand what separation of church and state means? It means the state can have no authority in the church. It doesn't say that the church has no authority in government. That's the fact. But we've allowed crooked lawyers and anyway, I'm not going. That's not the box I'm on today. But they used to set the ratings to TV. It was the church. And they said, this isn't our place. We should step out of here. And so it's progressively gone downhill. What am I saying? What I'm saying is this. What we allow in, we have to deal with. So the Lord showed me. He said, you're just self-righteous because you, you have uh, a righteous indignation towards this, but you've been accepting of this because you've been inundated with it because you've watched it for so long. And I'm, talking about, I'm not talking about... Like I said, PG or G, but just what's acceptable, what they think's okay. It's fun. It's made light of. You know what? What that is, it's a process of training your thinking. But if I go back to the word, this is what tells me what 
holy living looks like. This is what tells me to come out from among them. Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed. How? By the renewing of your mind, Romans 12, 1 and 2, that you might prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. How do we do that? By renewing our mind to the what? The seed of the word of God. See, if we don't steward the seed of the word of God, every one of our cultures, every one of our uh, standards will shift. And what's acceptable to, to the world and not to God will become acceptable to us. Amen, oh me. It affects cultural issues. It affects social issues, ethical issues, financial issues, marriage issues. Every one of them, every one of them are affected by how we view the seed of the Word of God. If we don't hold it to be true, if we don't hold it to be the cornerstone of our belief system, then what we'll have is we'll have a worldly perspective, outlook on life. I'm not man. I'm excited because here's the beauty of it. As we renew our mind to the truth of the Word of God, no matter what's going on out there, economically, socially, culturally, as I renew my mind to the Word, He told me that my light supersedes that darkness. So no matter how dark it gets out there in the world, as I strengthen the belief that's in me, my light grows stronger and stronger. The Bible says, till the coming, the day of his coming. So as I focus on him and I acknowledge him and realize who he is and allow his word to take root in my life, it'll affect every one of those issues. And here's what I believe too. I believe as we do that, I've seen it in my own life. As you do that, those things that used to hold your mind, they die. Because you quit feeding them and you start feeding the seed of his word. And as you feed the seed of his word, life comes out of that word. And it, it overpowers any weed of the wicked one. Thank you, Lord. Because greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. And as we steward that word... As it said in Ephesians, I've just got a couple passages and I'll I'll close. In him you also trusted after you heard the word, the logos of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Philippians calls it the word of life. Colossians calls it the word of Christ. Uh, 1 Thessalonians calls it the word of God. I want to get to the rhema real quick and and I'll... uh, I'll cl- I told you, I'm loaded for bear. I got scripture on top of scripture on top of scripture. I said, oh, help me, Jesus. I want to I share this one. Hebrews chapter 4, familiar passage of scripture. Remember what I said? That to the extent that you rest in the seed is the extent of the harvest you'll receive from the seed. Hebrews chapter 4. This is the, the scripture of the Lord. Uh, really spoken to my heart about this. Hebrews 4, chapter 4, verse 2 says, For indeed the gospel was preached to them, to us as well as to them, but the word, the logos, which they heard, did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in those who heard it. So that's how, listen, that's how people, a room full of people, can hear the same word, the same logos, and 
We got a good church. Say 80% of the people in here, come on, Jesus. Go out and their lives are transformed because they take that word and they meditate that. They water that word. They go, man, I'm going to believe this word and I'm going to water this word with the washing of the water of his word. So I'm going to water it with the word and I'm going to meditate. And I'm going to say, God, that's your promise to me. I'm not going to lose that. And their mind shifts and their life changes. And there can still be 20% of the people who come in and they hear the same word. They don't mix it with faith. They don't say that word is for me. They say, well, I wish I could have had that word. Man, that, that could have been. The word that Katie gave this morning, that prophetic word that Katie gave this morning about quit chasing mirages and come to him. She had no idea what I was going to share. And as we were in worship, we were in the first song, the Lord said, Katie's got a word. And I'm like, Katie's got kids. That's what Katie's got. She's got chitrons. They're in here for worship, but she's got kids. And then we were here and we were worshiping. And she came over. I was happy as a pig in slop. It's eating slop because I said, I knew you had a word. I said, I was getting ready to come get you because I knew you had a word. The Lord had put that in my heart that she had that word. And what was that word? Quit chasing mirages and go for the real. Go for the real. And there are people in here I know today who are going, man, that would be good, but you don't know. But you know what happens? Your butt gets in the way. I would but. I would but. And we allow our butt to get in the way. And he said, no, it's for you. If he declared the word, it's for you. He said this, for indeed the gospel was preached to us as well as to them. But the word, the logos, the revealed will of God that they heard didn't profit them because they did not mix it with faith. So that's where our responsibility comes. Rhema is this. Logos is the written, the spoken, the revealed will of God. So that's Genesis to Revelation, not just passage of scriptures that say W-O-R-D. Are you with me? Jesus is the revealed will of God. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3. I'm not going to read it for, for sake of time. But uh, rhema is this. The, the definition of the Greek word rhema, R-H-E-M-A, is actively speaking, speaking, a spoken word, a saying or expression Speaking of a command. That's the rhema. And here's what the Lord spoke to my heart. I said I had a couple more passages. Have I shared two? Hold on. Who's counting? Preach, preacher. Stop, Josh. John 1. Jesus is revealed as the Logos. He's the Logos. And... uh, in John 6, 63, Jesus said this, It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak to you are spirit and they are life. These words that he's talking about, are the, it's the rhema, the speaking word. So listen, okay, I'm going to try to close it up enough that we can leave. The logos is the revealed will of God. And he said, from that revealed will, I will speak a rhema word, a speaking word to you right where you are. That's why the Word of God is quick and alive and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword to divide asunder soul and spirit because it's a speaking word. It's not a dead word. It's a living word. You can read a novel. You can read your favorite fantasy book, and every time you read it, it's going to be the same. The relationships in the book are going to end up the same way every time because it's dead. 
But his word is alive. It's living. It's powerful. It's sharper than a two-edged sword. He said, the spirit gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak to you, they are spirit and they are life. So right here, Jesus himself says, a rhema word is spirit. And the Lord revealed this to my heart as I was studying this. He said, the logos is Jesus revealed of the Father. The spirit is the rhema, the speaking word. The Holy Spirit of God. Listen to John chapter 14. John chapter 14, verse 10. Do you, not, do you not believe that I am the Father and the Father me? The words, the rhema that I speak to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does the work. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father in me, or else believe me for the sake of the works themselves. Most assuredly I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also, and greater works than these will he do, because I go to my Father. How are we going to do greater works than him when he leaves? You know why? Because he's going to give us the Spirit. And whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. Verse 15. If you love me, keep my commandments, and I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, and he will abide with you forever, the Spirit of truth. The Passion Translation says this, you, I'll pray the Father and he'll give you another Savior. <laughs> That'll upset a religious bone right there, won't it? Of what? There's only one Savior. He's the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, who is Holy Spirit? He's God. And he said, see, we'll, because the word parakletos, it, it can mean uh, a comforter, ca- encourager, counselor, one called alongside to help. But it also means deliverer. So I think that's an accurate representation of God gives us Holy Spirit, Savior inside of us when he went to heaven to redeem us from everything. And so as we press into him and allow him to speak to us, verse verse 25 and 26, and I'll stop because I could go on. These things I've spoken to you while being present with you, Jesus speaking, it's in red, but the helper, the Holy Spirit whom the Father will send In my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I've said to you. So here's what the Lord said to me. Jesus tells his disciples that the things which he has spoken, which is the logos, the written word, revealed will of God, the logos. He said, these things I've spoken to you, the Holy Spirit will teach you through a rhema word. What does that mean? So here's what it means. As we spend time in the Logos, in the Word of God, and we spend time with Him in relationship, that's what it's all about. It's not so I can gain this great knowledge and become religious. It's so I can grow in intimacy with Him so I know His heart and I flow and move like He moves. That's what Jesus said in John 5. I only do what I see my Father doing. Why? Because He spent time in intimacy with Him. What He wants us to do is that we spend time in His Logos so we get to know Him. As we get to know him, he'll speak to us. It, doesn't that, this, this is going to blow your mind. But doesn't that sound like relationship? As you spend time with people and they begin to share their heart with you? There's very few people. I'm not saying there's not any. There's very few people, but as soon as you meet them, they just throw it all up on you and give you everything about them. I'm not judging that one way or the other. I says very few. Most people, as you get to know them in relationship, they'll begin to reveal more and more about themselves. And even, even those who do share, when you first meet them, when they share a lot and just tell you everything because they're excited, as you spend time in them, you might know information about them, but as you spend time with them, you know what you do? You get to know them. 
Because what they gave you is information, but you get to know their heart when you spend time with them. And that's what he wants for us in every area of our lives. As we spend time with the seed of the word of God, I'm telling you, it'll affect us culturally. It'll affect us ethically. What we used to think was okay in business or in relationship with others, it'll affect us. You won't have to pray to have character. He is perfect character. And as you spend time with him, you don't, I don't think you need to pray, God, fix my character so I can serve you. I tell you this, as you fall in love with him and you plant the seed of his word in your heart, his character begins to develop on the inside of you. And the things that you used to think was okay, they begin to change, not because you focused on them, but because you focused on him. And life looks different. Because you're looking at it from a totally different perspective, and you didn't have to go, I got to change this, I got to change this, I got to change. That's a distraction of the devil. You you look at him. He said, walk in the spirit, and you won't feel the lust of the flesh. He didn't say, don't walk in the flesh, and you'll be in the spirit. That's what the church said. And wow. Let's stand. My takeaway is this. It's the word of God. And the word only that brings change in our lives. You hear me? It's the word of God. It's the seed of the living God in my life that brings change. Not because I focus on it, but because I focus on him. And it will affect every issue in my life. Isaiah said, darkness cover the earth, but the light will shine. We are that light. And you won't sharpen or brighten your light by looking at darkness, but by feeding on and planting the seed of his word in our hearts and our lives. And that's my encouragement. It's no matter where you are. Here's, what's the, here's the beauty of this. No matter where you are, you can jump in and start sowing seed. And you can uh, water that seed. You can minister uh, out of that seed that's planted on the inside of you. But as Hebrews 4 said, it comes through rest, not our toiling, but through resting in who he is and what he said. So, Father, we bless you right now. Thank you, God, that you, Jesus, are the seed of the word of God. And inside of you, that has been placed inside of us, is the power to produce after its kind. So inside of us is the power to live righteously, to live holy. God, inside of us is the power to, to lay hands on the sick and see them recover, to cast out devils. Father, inside of us is that power because it's been placed in us through the seed of the Spirit of the living God. I thank you for the written, revealed Word of God, and I thank you that from that Word, you, Holy Spirit, speak to our hearts and our lives. And so, God, that's my prayer today, that as we get to know you, Jesus, better, it will affect every issue, every stand that we take in life will be affected by the relationship and the seed of the word of God that we plant in our lives.